Everyone, Nick Brigadier here, and this week Mike and Steve have abandoned me, which is fine because not much music related news happened this week anyway. Except, oh, I don't know, maybe a little thing called the Grammys. Ever heard of it, sheeple? Now, in an attempt to dissect the most bad, bizarre, and noteworthy music we can find, we sometimes forget that the Grammys are often capable of containing all three of these simultaneously. And so in a first for the podcast, I have reviewed every single performance that was done for the 2021 Grammys, and I will be reading them all to you now. Now, there are a few quick notes that I want to lay out up front about all these performances. I am doing this kind of in real time. I watched the Grammys live just very recently. I wrote down all of my initial thoughts and feelings and opinions and how they impacted me. And I will be assigning a score out of five for each individual performance. And that score will be um, anywhere from one slashy sound effects out of five to five slashy sound effects out of five. And uh, in case you need a reminder, that is the sound. And then at the end of the episode, I will be giving an overall review for the Grammys themselves. Uh, oh, and the one last little note I want to give about the reviewing process. I was nursing a margarita or two throughout the Grammys in order to get through them. So I found as I am going back through my notes, they get slightly less detailed as they go on. But I think the feeling will still be there. So without further ado, let us kick it off with the first artist of the night, Harry Styles, who I did not see perform because I was too busy creating the Paramount Plus account I would need in order to then delete it. Uh, so kind of going on gut without having... Having seen the performance, I'm going to give Harry Styles a 3 out of 5 slashy sound effects. Now, right after that, we had Billie Eilish performing. Now, Billie Eilish performed on top of a crashed car, which, a little bit of Grammy trivia for you, was the same car that The Weeknd drove into the venue out of spite right before it started. Uh, I appreciated the fingernails that she had in the performance. It was a great callback to the most underrated villain from X-Men 2, X-Men United, Lady Deathstrike. Uh, the lyric in the song, uh, I had a dream, I got everything I wanted, made me realize that we have very different dreams because I have never wanted to show up to work and realize I was naked. Uh, the overall performance, I would give three out of five slashy sound effects. Moving right along, the next group that we had was a group called Heim, which I will honestly say I'm embarrassed to admit I had not heard or heard of before. But suddenly seeing an all-woman rock band with the drummer, who is also the vocalist, actually actively resets the decline of Western civilization clock by about five whole minutes, which I would actually say is pretty impressive. So kudos to Haim. I give that performance five out of five slashy sound effects. Now, in between this performance and the next performance, the Best New Artist Award was given out, and it ended up going to Megan Thee Stallion, who by association is a Song Topsy alumni for her performance in WAP with Cardi B. Uh, and she beat fellow Song Topsy alumni Doja Cat, who we mentioned during a uh, listener-submitted episode. So this was a very exciting event to watch. You know, it's it's like I I feel like the Song Topsy Report truly is what made all these artists as big as they are. So seeing them all nominated and in some cases winning these awards uh, really, you know, really brings a warm, fuzzy feeling to all of our hearts. I'm sure I can speak on behalf of Steve and Mike as well. The next artist that performed was Black Pumas. 
which also threw me off because we got two back-to-back genuinely good rock performances, which has thrown me off considering how past Grammys usually go. Uh, This song, another fun little trivia fact for you, features the first guitar solo heard at the Grammys in 35 years. 35 whole years. Think about that for a second. I made that up, by the way, but it feels right. It feels like it's been 35 years since we've actually heard a guitar solo there. The note that I had written down to describe the band was, and I quote what I wrote verbatim, the most chocolatey smooth of soulful funk music meets the daddiest of dad rock. But you know what? I was here for it in the end. And so this group, I would also give five out of five slashy sound effects. After this, we had DaBaby performing his song, Rockstar. Now, right off the bat, I appreciate DaBaby as an artist quite a bit because he embraces his German heritage uh, because DaBaby is German for the baby. At the beginning of his performance, though, he described himself in that little introductory video as a chocolate superstar. But he's got to pull it back there a little bit. He is no Willy Wonka. But as soon as the performance started, what I did appreciate was, and I've noticed this not even just at the Grammys, but music awards and really music in general, after years of white artists co-opting black gospel choirs in the background of their music, I gotta admit, it was kind of nice to see a black artist co-opt an old white people choir for their song. You know, it truly feels like we've made progress. I was distracted, though. The other note that I wrote down was, sequin gloves, terrible for using a phone. I just, like, there were little sequins at the very edge of the fingertips. That's got to be annoying. We're coming out of winter, and all I could think was, God, how's he going to text backstage? Is he going to take those gloves off? Of course not. That'd be ridiculous. However, the song does lose points for inaccurate fake choir conducting on the part of DaBaby. He was kind of just really going by emotion, which I think can work in some instances, but in this case, I don't think did. Uh, Doesn't detract too much from it, but overall, uh, DaBaby gets three slashy sound effects out of five. This was followed by Bad Bunny, a South American uh, hip-hop rap artist who has become extremely popular as of late. I think he's one of the most streamed artists this year. He decided to perform inside of what looked like a giant neon-lit prison, some kind of cage. I don't know if it was metaphorical. There are a lot of split-screen performances, which I felt really, truly the main fault with Bad Bunny's performance is he broke the first rule of not only just improv, but theater as a whole, in that he was playing to the camera but he wasn't playing to the audience. As socially distanced as this whole award ceremony may have been, there is still an audience and you have to play to them. He was also the second artist after Harry Styles to perform without a shirt, but of course, with Harry performing up front, it felt a little fresh and new, but by the time Bad Bunny came out, it's like, okay, a shirtless guy, (laughs) been there, done that. I said that out loud to my screen. So Bad Bunny, two out of five slashy sound effects. Next up, we had Dua Lipa performing, which, as we all know, is Dutch for two Lipas. Now, when she performed, I wasn't sure if DaBaby was part of the original song or if he just reinvaded the stage and started ad-libbing, because he kind of comes on suddenly. I It would probably behoove me to pay attention to popular music so that I'm not surprised by random featured guests. Uh, One other thing I wrote down was, did Dua Lipa sprint up to a higher platform in order to walk back down that same platform? Because you notice, at one point, you get the background dancers who kind of take the center stage, and then suddenly Dua Lipa is at a higher platform walking down a staircase, and she seems to have done this in a very short period of time, uh, which was very impressive. If she actually did sprint that, she has remarkable breath control, which automatically gives her another point. 
I've really liked the full-on Jane Fonda workout video section of the song as well, and I gotta give a special shout-out to the background dancers who are wearing masks, truly driving home the theme that we are still in a pandemic. And on that note, listeners, check your vaccine eligibility whenever you can. Uh, Overall, I give this performance four out of five slashy sound effects. Now, I did mention that I would also be reviewing the Grammys as a whole, and right off the bat, I'm going to say they lose a star for having an advertisement that was selling the concept of Facebook groups. This was seriously an advertisement. They've, they, they've gone so far out of vogue that they have to try to get people to come back to it. And it really took me out of the event. I'm not going to lie. So thumbs down for Facebook groups. Uh, every one of you should go through your settings and figure out which groups you're still a part of from 2008 when everyone was joining them. And now we're not. After this, we had Bruno Mars and Anderson Pock performing their new, I guess, supergroup band's uh, Silk Sonic, and their song Leave the Door Open. Uh, first off, gotta give a shout out. Silk Sonic was my favorite unlockable character in Sonic Adventure 2. Uh, as I watched the performance, I gotta say, I feel like color coordinated band outfits need to make a comeback. This was very enjoyable to watch. I also really appreciated the tag teaming on the microphones that was going on. More artists need choreographed microphone usage as opposed to dancing, because that in and of itself was pretty impressive. This was the first song performance that I saw during the Grammys, though, that made me wonder if the whole thing was pre-recorded, because the whole performance looked like it was filmed at the moment of the Big Bang. Lastly, I literally wrote, leave the door open, parentheses, there's a joke there somewhere, and I did not write down what that joke would be. So, listeners, you're all very smart and clever. Uh, imagine, oh, you know, if Mike were here, this is what this would be the thing. And uh, what door would you leave open? Would it be the bathroom door? Would it be the living room door? Contact us on Instagram. Ooh, this is bad. I think I'm going to pimp Mike into doing the poll for this week. And he had no say in it. Uh, but that being said, leave the door open by Silk Sonic. It's four out of five slashy sound effects. Now, listeners, I must say, honestly, this is when the margaritas started kicking in. I remember that there was a Best Country Album Award, and I do remember it was all women nominees, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, I had not listened to any of those artists. They were all new to me, but I, I found it refreshing immediately just because I assumed that that meant there was a distinct lack of lyrics about Daisy Dukes and pickup trucks and all the Best Country Album nominees, which, you know, hashtag progress. But after this, we had very early on Song Topsy alumni Taylor Swift performing uh, basically a medley from her album Folklore. I thought she looked very comfortable lying on that moss at first. I actually, in my bathroom, I I created one of those uh, moss bath mats. So when you get out of the shower, you're stepping onto moss and green earthiness. It's very helpful to have in the city. Makes you feel like you're not totally separated from the natural world, especially in quarantine. So the idea of Taylor Swift having an entire... Uh, what was soon to be revealed to be a roof of that seemed like it'd be very comfortable. I also noted that I aspired to have the amount of power that Taylor Swift had that would allow me to get an elaborate fake outdoor set built just for me to perform one song for the Grammys. I also noted that she got inside the hermit cabin very quickly. I guess it was her Airbnb. I don't really know what the whole setup was, uh, but she got in there supernaturally fast. I That was another moment where I didn't know if it was pre-recorded or not. Uh, folklore, more like witchcraft. This is another note that I'm reading that I wrote. I was clearly very shocked by this. And I never mentioned this at any point on the podcast, but I actually did 
liked the album Folklore, as well as Folklore 2 Electric Bugaloo. I didn't actually listen to the second one, but Folklore I thought was a good album, but in all honesty, I felt like creating this giant elaborate set in order to make it look like a cozy, intimate, woodsy location kind of defeated the whole purpose of what she was going for. Uh, in my opinion, she should have just FaceTimed from the woods, hashtag true Norwegian folklore, and that would have, I felt, truly captured the artsy-fartsy hippie image she was going for. As the performance went on, I also felt like it increasingly looked like Pandora from Avatar, and towards the end, she really leaned into her groovy hippie ant vibe, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Not that Taylor Swift is old by any stretch of the imagination, but I think she has to start looking at her career arc, and if she wants to start channeling this now, I think it'll make sense later on in her career. Uh, that being said, overall, three out of five slashy sound effects. Then after this, we had a performance, a country performance by Mickey Guyton, I believe. I wrote it down, but I forgot how they pronounce it, so I do apologize in advance. Uh, who... Per, who was the first African-American woman who was nominated for a Best Country Artist Award. And the song was called Black Like Me, which really stood out because I felt like that there was a chance, there's maybe a small chance, or at least the question of this, that essentially stating the mission statement of Black Lives Matter with a country twang and instruments and the same country music chord progressions that we always hear, does this actually have a chance of reaching an audience that doesn't normally hear it? Uh, that's actually pretty much all I have to say about that. I thought it was a pretty good performance. Uh, four out of five slashy sound effects I give to Mickey Guyton, Goyton, Guyton. I apologize once again. And then after this, we had a rapid fire series of country music performances. I'm not going to lie. This all kind of blended together, but there were a lot of mentions of bluebirds and houses having good bones. It felt like really good salt to the earth, standard country music, salt and potatoes lyrics. Uh, I'm going to give the whole overall smorgasbord two and a half slashy sound effects out of five. And then after the song I Can't Breathe, one song of the year, we moved on to the song Savage by Megan Thee Stallion, one of the most hyped artists who's performing at the Grammys. I appreciated her performance channeling The Great Gatsby, really like the big band orchestra swells. And then I noted that this song features Beyonce, but during the actual performance... Beyonce wasn't performing there, so I figured at first that she was too big to even show up to the Grammys to perform her vocal section, which was later confirmed, as I will get to, that Beyonce was at the Grammys and I guess just didn't want to sing. I don't know what happened. I don't know if she was just late, but it was conspicuous. I gotta say, we just had pre-recorded Beyonce lyrics. And Megan Thee Stallion just kind of had to carry it all on her own. The other note I wanted to give was shout out for having a tap dancing section, which hasn't been seen at the Grammys in 80 years since Shirley Temple last performed. Once again, I don't know if that's true, but it feels right. So let's just go with it. Uh, Savage by Megan Thee Stallion gets three out of five slashy sound effects. But then now we get into music that was directly talked about on our podcast uh, as Cardi B's we basically determined it was a noteworthy song, not necessarily bad or bizarre, but the song WAP by Cardi B featuring Megan Thee Stallion. Now, the performance started with Cardi B basically performing inside a giant intergalactic graphic novel, which I fuck with, I guess. The song itself, though, holy shit. So, the plus sides I gotta give right off the bat, the set designer 
earns this whole song a slashy sound effect just by itself with the giant shoe that had a heel that was a stripper pole, as well as the giant bed that showed up later. Just mwah, mwah. stage crews all over the place were applauding that move. But the main problem was the song was basically an instrumental track when you edit it down for TV. One note I have, and I wrote this all in caps, was they can't say choke, question mark, question mark, question mark, because they even edited out the word choke. It wasn't just specifically the profanity that they edited out of WAP. It was any, like, any sexual lyrics, which is wild because you're acknowledging the song Wet Ass Pussy is a Grammy-nominated song, and yet you can't actually really performed the song in any meaningful way. So I found the entire performance basically incoherent, which unfortunately is why I got to give it only two out of five slashy sound effects. But this is truly more the Grammys' fault than, I would say, Cardi B and Megan the Stallion. But truly, the Grammys ain't ready for this. And then after this, the aforementioned song Savage won Best Rap Song, which confer- which is where we were able to confirm that Beyonce was there, and I guess felt she was too good to perform at the Grammys in this song. I'm just kidding. Bayhive, please don't kill me. And then after this, we moved on to Post Malone, who I don't think has made it onto our podcast yet. Uh, and, you know, he's very noteworthy, but I gotta say, I did not mind his performance of Hollywood's Bleeding. Uh, first off, Scary Choirs, which is exactly how this performance started. They are always a great addition, and it does not matter how wildly out of context they are, especially in this song. Scary Gregorian chanting is always welcome. This whole song, though, when I was watching it, it truly felt like the distillation of every villainous Disney character song that every Disney movie has. You know, the one song where the bad guy is kind of like plotting his plan and talking about how he's going to rule the world. It felt like it was really that kind of bad guy Disney energy. Uh, And I was here for it. Four slashy sound effects out of five. And then at this point, we get into Lil Baby's performance of The Bigger Picture. Now, I felt like the Grammys had been doing actually a fairly good job of kind of tiptoeing around current events and giving artists a chance to highlight uh, what's been happening over the past year with not just the pandemic, but with Black Lives Matter and with all the protests that have been happening. And Lil Baby's The Bigger Picture song starts with a dramatic intro of a cop murdering an unarmed black man before getting into a very powerful song um, talking about the whole Black Lives Matter movement. And as they're performing this song, you see, you know, protests. You see cops shooting black people. You see buildings being burned. And I'm so glad that they chose to use this imagery for the song The Bigger Picture as opposed to Justin Bieber's Yummy like they were originally planning to do. Otherwise, I gotta say, hadn't listened to the song before, but some legitimately powerful stuff giving us our third five slashy sound effects out of five. After this, we had Beyonce winning Best R&B Performance. Uh, And I gotta say, as gracious in victory as Beyonce always seems to be, I think we can all admit that we collectively fear her great and terrible power if she did not become the highest winning Grammy artist of all time during the Grammys, which is when she did. Or excuse me, uh, highest winning female Grammy living artist, I believe. Seriously, the amount of (laughs) the specificity that Grammy records have to have now is wild. But Beyonce, she, she did a good thing. That's basically all you need to know. Next, we move on to Doja Cat. 
doing her performance, her robotic remix version of Say So. I gotta say, like, like um, cyberpunk has truly been a running theme during this year's Grammys. And it's fine. I give it a thorough fine. Now, she performed her song, Say So, but I was very disappointed because I really wanted her to perform the song, Bitch, I'm a Cow, which was the song that earned her a spot on the Song Topsy Report on one of our listener-submitted episodes. I don't remember which one, maybe five or six. Uh, But Doja Cat has clearly come quite a way since then. Her performance gets three and a half slashy sound effects out of five. Uh, now, listeners, I got to be honest. At this point, the Grammys had been going on for about six hours, give or take, and I was starting to fade. Uh, but Taylor Swift won Album of the Year for Folklore, uh, which was a great win for her, but it's still pretty disappointing that only 50% of the albums she released this year ended up winning. Like, if you round down, that's 0%. So, not necessarily the best year for Taylor Swift. Uh, and then after this, we had what many people considered to be the most hyped event. It was BTS almost undoubtedly the biggest k-pop band out right now performing their song dynamite now we at the song topsy report i believe have wisely tiptoed around the whole k-pop thing because for the most part i feel like the times we have brought it up we've all collectively acknowledged they're kind of doing it right if you're looking for just shameless soulless pop music you may as well make it as catchy and colorful and well-produced as possible. And K-pop bands seem to do this. However, watching this performance, I thought it was good. But I spent most of it, like, from an anthropological perspective, trying to analyze it and trying to figure out what people think is so... Like, what is is it about the K-pop bands that grab people? Is it just the synchronized dancing? Is it these limber, felt, young Korean men? Uh, I don't necessarily know, but I thought their performance was fine. Uh, most of my, most of the praise I have for this was uh, directed more towards the cinematography and how they shot the film because, or how they shot the performance. Because as Trevor Noah, who by the way I never mentioned was the host this whole time, thought I did a great job. Uh, they actually filmed this in Korea, in Seoul. And they tried to make it look exactly like the Grammy setup. So that was well played. I thought the way that the camera transitions worked went very well as well. And they also get a single additional star because I think they had the only key change among any song at the Grammys. Uh, Please let me know if I missed any. But truly at the end, that little, eh, you know, just shift up a little bit, you know, hyping hyping the dynamite, uh, hypamite, hyping it a little bit more. I thought it was a good touch. However, overall, BTS, I give two and a half out of five slashy sound effects. Thought it was okay. And then at this point, with my eyes essentially half open, uh, Ronnie Rich performed a song that seemed to be made with the recycled sets of other performances. Uh, and then Billie Eilish won Record of the Year uh, once again, uh, getting the same award, I believe, that she got last year when she basically swept the Grammys. And that was essentially it for the Grammys. I, it's weird. This is the second time that I've watched the Grammys in a row, specifically because of this podcast. And it always feels like kind of cramming for a test on what music is actually popular in the world. Because because I'm not always necessarily the most in touch with what the kids are into these days. Um, so it always feels like cramming for a test. But I gotta say, overall, I give uh, this year's Grammys three and a half out of five slashy sound effects. Lost some points for the Facebook advertising, like I said earlier. Uh, But 
I felt they actually made a somewhat reasonable attempt to discuss the impact that the pandemics had on the music industry, highlighting specific music venues that have been losing business. However, I felt that they didn't necessarily shy away from current events and actually leaning into like what has motivated so much of the music over the past year. I think the only real lesson they have to learn is next year, uh, nominate The weekend for at least one award, you know? He doesn't even have to win it. Just give him something. And that is it for the 2021 Grammy Awards. Uh, did any of you watch? Did any of you have any wildly different takes from me in terms of what you thought of any of the performances? Uh, let us know. Actually, <laughs> ooh, ooh, I'm trying to think. Maybe we do a different poll question. Uh, such as who you thought gave the best performance at the Grammys. Uh or we could stick with the original one of what door would you open? That, to be honest, feels more on brand with what Mike would have done. And I want to honor that. So we'll stick with that. Uh, what door What door would you leave open for your honey baby? I'll force Mike to do a poll on Instagram for that. And speaking of that poll on Instagram, you should follow us there if you are not already, as well as on Twitter and Facebook, because we are always posting fun stuff. Uh, it's not all just shameless posts promoting the fact that we have a new episode coming out. We do post fun stuff, too. So follow us there. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, check us out on Podchaser. It's kind of like the IMDb of podcasts, but it's a nice central location to listen or to review or to figure out like what guests we've had on episodes. So uh, check us out there. And uh, you can follow me personally on all social media. Just look for Nick Brigadier. Uh, I suppose I should say you can follow Mike at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.dot. And uh, yeah, like Nick said, you know, send us your thoughts, your feedbacks, and tell us what door you would leave open if you were Bruno Mars, Mike Russell. And then Stephen Trollinger would then say, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on StephenTrollinger.com. And then he'd make some drawl, snarky comment as well, based on a running joke that we would have established by this point already, which we didn't because he's not here, but you would laugh at it at this point. We're Steve here. And that is it for this week. We will be back next week with more original dissections of Bad, Bizarre, and Otherwise Noteworthy music. But uh, thank you for listening to my sole recap of the 2021 Grammys. Uh, if you're really interested, I can try to grill Steve and Mike for their input on what they thought. Um, but that will have to wait until next week. And until then, I'm Nick Brigadier, and we will see you then.